Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Fantasy Hot Read Podcast, brought to you by the FantasyHotRead.com. I'll be your host, Tyler Jinsky. Today we have the final piece of our podcast series. This is the eighth one. We're doing the AFC East. That's the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Jets. But this is really the Patriots division as they have dominated year after year. We have a special guest today. It's going to be Dana Fisher. He's a fantasy writer at Arbor Pro and an owner of FantasyHardKnocks.com. How's it going, Dana? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. And it's my understanding this is your hometown division. It is, yeah. Yeah, born and raised in New England, uh, just outside of Boston. Welcome, man. I'm excited to have some uh, unbiased uh, knowledge bestowed upon everybody, correct? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to kind of wrap up this series with you. It should be a good time. I appreciate it. And... You know, even though this is the Patriots division, I, I I think it's hilarious that people always think that the Patriots have been so successful because they're in this division with, let's just say, not the most successful teams. But looking at their record against teams in their division and then their record against teams outside the division, it's basically the same. So I just think they're just beating everybody. They're that dominant. They are, yeah. And and they lucked out this year, too, because they've got one of the weakest schedules uh, in 2019. So it seems like it's just another lock that if, Brady stays healthy, you know, they're they're in that championship game again. How much longer do you think Brady's got? I feel like people thought he should have retired years ago, but he's still doing it. Like as a as a Patriots guy, what do you realistically think we're looking at? You know, it, it, after the contract thing that happened this year, uh, I think it's uh, one two years maybe. Um, the interesting thing there is that he can cancel his um he can his contract pretty much ends at the end of this year right so he can kind of do whatever he wants but what 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 you see is that the um the way they've they've sort of set up the entire team is that they they've sort of reinvented themselves with these backs so they've got four backs they've got four backs uh this year that can catch the ball out of the backfield that can run um and so it looks like they're sort of pivoting that you know, even if he doesn't have his arm strength, he's going to be able to get that ball out pretty quickly, just like he always does. Yeah, last year I remember looking at something like he was getting the ball out at like 2.3 seconds or something like insanely quick all of last year. I mean, it, he has an incredible offensive line, and then you add that to how quick he's releasing the ball. It's it's they've really adapted well to his aging process. You know, like I think he's really outsmarting people. They they've always outsmarted people, but they're just like really tailoring the offense to really um you know take advantage of you know Brady's age I should say yeah I mean they lost Trent Brown this year uh right and th- they're still projected by uh pro football focus to be a top 10 offensive line so they they still managed to do it I mean they've got Dante Scarnecchia in there and they got him back in there which is great but he's he's aging so I don't know how how much longer they can keep that up but uh it is nice that they're able to kind of fill those positions quickly um, and get them up to speed and, and protect him just long enough that he can get that ball out real quick. And I don't know if there's anything to it. I don't know if you saw this, but apparently they put their uh, Massachusetts home up for sale. I did see that, yeah. And um, his, uh, his little guru there uh, also put his house up for sale. So, you know, who knows? Um, this could be the last year here, and, you know, maybe he tests the market and someone offers him $35 million a year, and the Patriots say, we're not matching that at 43 years old. Um, you know, that, that's sort of happened to everyone, right? We've seen it with Joe Montana. We've seen it with Jerry Rice. We've seen it, uh, with Brett Favre. Um, so it, you know, it's one of those things, it's a business and if he wants to make money and doesn't want to sort of play it out, 
uh, with the Patriots. That could happen for the last year or two of his career. So in, in fear of people shutting off the podcast right now because they think this is a Patriots podcast, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to we're not going to start with the Patriots. We're going to jump into the, the actual AFC East segment of the show. And just to remind everybody, as we're jumping into it, we're going to be talking about their values. We're going to be talking about their ADP and everything like that. And when we're talking about that, it's going to be half PPR, 12 team ranks, projections, what have you. So, like I said, we're going to switch it up a little bit here. Let, let's start with uh, the Miami Dolphins. Switch up the conversation here. If there's a must-have player on the Dolphins for you, Dana, who's it going to be this year? You know, it's funny because up until yesterday, it was Kenyon Drake. Um, I just felt like his uh, he, he was due for a breakout. He's more talented than, than his breadth of work has shown. Um, and I just felt like it, with his ADP, too, it was kind of like right now it's mid-sixth round. I just felt like that was was good value, especially if you're looking at going – you know, if you're if you're at the back end of a 12-team draft and you're going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, um, he's a great zero RB candidate in that sixth round. Now he's got that uh, that foot injury potentially. They really haven't given too much information on it yet, but um, I still feel like even if he dropped a few rounds, um, he's the best out of that Dolphins backfield and and really out of those wide receivers we really don't know what's going to happen with Fitzpatrick versus Rosen and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of uh, of flux with that offense yeah Kenyon Drake you know, there's no doubt that he's a dynamic player I think his like career averages for yards per carry is 4.7 yards per catch 8.1 having those two averages over a three-year career puts him in a pretty elite spot but at the same time like he just has never really gotten the volume to warrant being anything besides a low RB2 to an RB3. And I think, like you said, there is a lot of hype going into the season for him, but like that hype's been crushed with the, the Kalen Balazs train. You want to talk a little bit about this guy? Yeah. So when I actually wrote an article about Kenyon Drake earlier in the summer um, and, and did a bunch of research on uh, Ballage, and what I found was he was always being tackled by the first guy. So I was watching video and, and all this kind of stuff. And I actually found an interesting stat that 43 out of 45 of his touches, he was tackled by the first guy that hit him. So I'm not really on his train. I know that he's skyrocketing in ADP. He was around the 11th round. I think he's now in like the ninth round. And with this injury stuff, um, I can totally see him jumping up and passing Kenyon. Um, you know, Kenyon's in the sixth. I can see him going you know, him dropping and Balge going into the maybe seventh. I don't know if he'll get as high as six. I think it maybe some of the other guys get pushed up ahead of him, but um, I just, I don't know that he's the guy um, he's flashed some in preseason, but again, this is preseason, right? And we're talking about uh, third stringers, four stringers, guys that are trying to make the team. Um, and so I just don't know that I've seen enough out of him to really want to take that, that risk on him, you know, even in that round, even in the 11th round. So do you prefer Kenyon Drake in the sixth round or Ballage or Kalen Ballage in the ninth round? Uh, or, neither, to, or neither. You can just say yeah, neither. Yeah, to be honest, I, I wouldn't go with either of them, right? Like if I'm in those rounds and I'm and I'm looking at what's there, um, then just let me pull up the uh, the list I have here. Um, in half PPR in like the ninth round around where he's going – um, I'd rather take a flyer on a guy like Deshaun Jackson back in Philly or uh, a Carlos Hyde in KC. We don't know what's happening with Damian Williams and that sort of backfield by committee. And so does does Hyde sort of come out there? 
Um, and there's guys in the in the tenth and eleventh round that I'd rather take a chance on too. Duke Johnson's still sitting there uh, in the late tenth round. Matt Breda will get to New England, but Damian Harris is down there in the eleventh round. Um, and even a guy like Justin Jackson, um, who we don't know what's happening with Melvin Gordon, and I know some news came out today that said they're not close um, to any type of contract thing. But um, Justin Jackson's a guy I'd rather take high upside down there in those those double digit rounds um, than a guy like Ballage, which I just don't know. You know, we don't know what he is. So we're avoiding both running backs. That's that's a fair statement. It is the Dolphins after all. It's very <laughs> clear that they're they're. I will say the one thing that I like that the Dolphins are doing big picture, it's very clear that they're setting up for a rebuild, and I think that's completely fair, and it's the right move because they've been average to below average with Tannehill for so long, it's time to make a move. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I do think that, you know, I was big on Drake at around the sixth round. He was like mid-sixth. Uh, I think if he drops a few rounds, I'm still in on him. I'm not in on him in the sixth round, but, you know, eighth or ninth. Um I'm probably still considering him, depending on what my roster build looks like, you know, in those first seven or eight rounds. Um, the other interesting thing is we don't know what Brian Flores, the new uh, head coach, wants to do. Does Because my, you know, seeing him in New England, he's going to want to win now. But the the ownership, I think you're right, is going to set up for a rebuild. So do we see Brian Flores try to insert Ryan Fitzpatrick as long as he can um, or does he pivot and try to see what he has with Josh Rosen before he gets the 2020 draft? Because realistically, they could have a top pick um, and go after Tua um, for that number one overall pick if, they, if they're if they that bad. Yeah, there's, there's a couple pieces I want to touch on there. One, I think they got Chad O'Shea, who's the offensive coordinator, presumably calling the plays. He also came from New England. I don't think this guy has called a single play at the NFL level. Uh, not that I know of, no. Nope. Yeah, so we really don't know what to expect. And then I just want to talk about those two quarterbacks for a second. Um, I think just for the sake of time, they're both going undrafted. I think you and I can both agree that that sounds about about right. Yeah. But do you think there's any point in time when we're looking at one of these two guys as a streamer midseason? Any value with either one of these, even though they're probably both going undrafted? Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably picking and choosing at some point to stream one of them. Um, I'm very much a late round QB type of guy. Um, and Miami has a pretty good schedule going into the playoffs. I mean, they face the Jets, Giants, and Bengals in weeks 14 through 16. So there is an opportunity there where week 15, the Giants could be, you know, one in 14 at that point. I mean, they could be absolutely terrible. And you could look at Rosen or even Fitzpatrick if he's if he's playing out the string there as a as a definitely a streamable option there. Yeah, and I, I expect a lot of um, you know negative game scripts as well. So they're, they're gonna they're gonna be slinging the ball, and they're gonna be slinging the ball to a group of very confusing wide receivers. I mean, let's be real here. Like Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills are going beyond wide receiver sixty. Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, undrafted. So let's just like pretty much call them all pretty much undrafted at this point. Are any of them interesting you late? Uh. It- they are um, because of upside. You know, if you look at it and you think Fitzpatrick may play, Kenny Stills and Al- Albert Wilson make nice options there, especially on your waiver wire. At least, at least put them on your waiver wire. You know, highlight them and pay attention to them because they could give you big weeks. Um, but other outside of that, 
not really. I mean, the Devarte Parker hype again is out there this year, which I, again, I don't again. I don't get over and over again. Um, and I, I just don't understand it. And I'm not going to touch him um, in any of these leagues, especially in redraft. I do think it's interesting that they did choose to re-sign him. You know, I think there there might be something to that, at least that there's somebody there that's like, you know, this guy might be part of our future. But then again, it is Devontae Parker. He crushes it when it comes to, you know, the no pads practice. But then when game time comes, there's just nothing there. The other, the one guy I do want to touch on real quick, though, is Albert Wilson. As I have him, I kind of have him start as some guy I'm interested in. I think he had he had five TDs for the first six games last season. And he was like pacing towards, I think, a thousand yards on his season before he had that, that um, season-ending hip injury in Week 7. And the thing that I find the most interesting about Albert Wilson is looking at his college statistics. Like He was getting um, an elite target share, which is usually a pretty good indicator for wide receivers when going from college to the pros. Um, I know he didn't mention him, but like, you know, what are your thoughts on Albert Wilson? I'm not drafting him, but I, to me, he's the guy I'm looking at more than Kenny Stills and Parker. Yeah, so I think you're right. Like When I look at Kenny Stills, I think three maybe four games where he can put up you know 15 to 20 points maybe even more um albert wilson's probably the more steady person um i saw the same things you did uh last year where um where he had some more consistency um and he does have um he does have decent a dot and um and target share when you look at at his play last year so yeah i think you put him on your waiver wire and you take a look at him and you you know, if you need a bye week fill in, especially in those those heavy weeks, I think you can definitely look at him as an option. And last but not least, let's talk about Mike Isecki for a second. Uh, highly touted, um, you know, I guess he might have been like a spark freak, as some people like to call him, out of Penn State, I believe. Uh, really disappointed last year. And then people were hyping him up again this year. But then, like, at one point in time, he was, like, fourth on the depth chart for the Dolphins. I don't know if that's just something that the coach did, but what's your take on this guy? Clearly an athlete, clearly has potential, but is he going to be able to put it together? So I, I feel like Adam Gase didn't know how to use him. Um, and we're also talking about a, a rookie tight end, right? So rookie tight ends rarely produce. I think we saw the last one we saw was probably Hunter Henry. Um, a, a little bit, I guess you could say, with um, Evan Ingram last year, um, who had some opportunities with injuries and things like that. But... Um, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't good last year. Um, I, I'm really hoping that the, you know, Brian Flores and O'Shea really understand how to use him coming from the New England system and seeing how they worked with tight ends. Um, so I, I really think, and especially this year where you're looking at the AFC East where there really aren't any viable tight end options, um, I think he's the best of the lot. I like it. Um, let's Before we move on to the next team, is there any Dolphins you want to talk about? No, no, I think we covered them all. I think we're going to see a theme going through a few of these teams where it's just kind of like they're sitting on your waiver wire um, and you're looking at them towards the end of the draft as, as fill-ins or high upside guys that you can take in those late rounds and hope they hit. Well, I was going to talk about the Bills next, but you might have just summarized their entire team. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. We got, we got to talk about it. I can't disrespect the Bills. Bills Mafia is real on Twitter, so I, I, I'm sorry, Bills, if you're listening right now, because there is some interesting stuff there. So if there is a Buffalo Bill that's your only Dana, who's it going to be? You know what? Of of all the teams in the in the East, obviously you've got some guys on the Patriots that you're always going to take, right? But of of the rest of the teams, the Bills are actually the team I have the most interest in. 
Um, I think the must-have player for me is probably Josh Allen. And again, I mentioned I'm I'm a late-round QB guy. Um, Josh Ra- Allen is going in the 14th round or or later, and he's going to yep. see a ton, a ton of negative game script. So he's going to be throwing a lot. Um, and he also has legs. So he put up 631 rushing yards last year and eight rushing touchdowns in only 12 games. Yeah, Josh so, Allen, the thing that – I don't know if you remember this last year, but he had a three-game stretch where he had 335 rushing yards that broke Mike Vick's record for rushing yards in three games. That but Mike Vick's record was 294 yards. He shattered it with 335. Like, he broke Mike Vick's rushing record for a three-game total. That is insane. Yeah, it's – it's unreal. And so I just feel like, you know, from a QB perspective, if you're looking for someone um, that can fill in, that can give you rushing yards, maybe you're in a league that that has uh, some bonuses and things like that. Um, I know I'm in SFB nine and that has uh, that has various bonuses and those can really go a long way with a guy that has legs like that um, and who's always going to be in a negative game script almost the entire year. Yeah, I mean, he's QB 22 right now. Like, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan, and I feel like a lot of times people are like, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and I usually side with Lamar Jackson, but, like, the way their ADP shaking out, like, Josh Allen is a value at QB 22 in the 14th round. I mean, jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Like, he, he's starting to become a guy that I'm like, you know what, if I just completely punt quarterback, if I take him even in the 13th round, I won't be that worried. Yeah, and I mean, they also have one of the easiest schedules this year against run defenses. Um, so Number Fire actually ranks them as the fifth easiest schedule overall. Um, and if you look at their uh, DVOA from 2018 uh, for their um, opponents this year, they're actually um, one of the top uh, easiest schedules against the run. So you're talking about a guy who has legs and who's going to face rush defenses that are terrible. Um, so why not take a jump on him? And it's it's interesting, too, because when you look at the QBs overall for this division, uh, it's very easy to say, oh, Tom Brady, Tom, you know, grab Tom Brady. If you're going to grab any of these four, grab Tom Brady. But most projections actually have Allen just behind Brady, um, and he's two or three rounds later in the draft. So you can grab him a little later, let someone else grab Brady at 42 years old, um, and you'll still you still should receive the same output. Yeah, and then just to sweeten that even more, looking at the last four years, the Bills' rush attempts have finished second, second, fourth, and sixth in the league. So over the last four years, they're top six in rush attempts. So not only is their rush, um, you know, the run schedule soft, they're running it all the time as well. So things, yep. things could be looking okay. And at least in, I don't know if they're going to be winning games, but at least in fantasy terms, they should be able to have some opportunity to put up some numbers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's, Let's talk about the the running backs real quick because this this is honestly one of the more confusing ones. Um, not that there's a ton of value there, but is there one of these running backs between LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, and TJ Yeldon that you're targeting or do any of them interest you whatsoever? Yeah, so I think they drafted Devin Singletary, so I got to believe they're going to give him touches. Um, and like we just talked about, it's a run-heavy team. Uh, when I look at LaShawn McCoy, I just think, you know, his ADP is too high. It's it's mid-ninth round. Um, and he's over the hill, and his his salary is huge. I mean, he's got a $9 million uh, cap hit with a $6 million base salary. If they cut him, they save $6.5 million. So, you know. What are they I'm doing? Hard- what are they doing? I, I, I would have thought that they would have cut him by now. 
Yeah, you know, I'm surprised they have, they haven't. So I think he came out, you know, maybe a week or so ago and said, I've been told I'm the guy. And I was like, this is it. You know, immediately when you think you're the guy, you're out. Um, I'm, I'm very surprised that he's still on the team. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, if, if I'm drafting him, I'm drafting him with the hope that he gets cut and ends up in, you know, a Tampa Bay or, or some better scenario where he clearly is the lone dog and there is no guy that they want to try to feed the ball. So it's safe to say that McCoy in the ninth round might be your biggest fade on the Bills. He is, yeah. It, and when yeah, you look the at the highest that, ADP of any Bill. Yeah, yeah. And and you look at that ninth round, and you've got you've got Justin Jackson in the eleventh. You've got Duke Johnson in the eleventh. Um, you've got solid wide receivers still sitting there. And why would I take a risk on Lashawn McCoy, who's thirty years old in a background in a backfield of four total running backs that all could see the ball? And then one thing that really interested me, though, was the Frank Gore signing. I mean, we all know that, you know, he is a tank. He always gets it done. Even last year on the Dolphins, you know, he had a pretty good year. I think he was, you know, up towards the top 10 in running backs for, you know, yards after contact. And it just it doesn't seem like Frank Gore at this age and this stage of his career would sign somewhere and not get any touches. Like I, I got to think the guy is going to at least be seeing six to eight touches a game. I mean, why would he play to sit the, why would he sign to sit the bench? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, but, and I also, but I also think he could see the goal line work too. Um, so he's going to give you some value there where he may score some touchdowns, but I don't think he's at the point in his career where you're, you're still going to get, you know, say, 50 or 60 yards and a touchdown, you know, you might get 20, 30 yards and a touchdown. And maybe that's enough to fill in or use for a flex here and there. Um, but again, he's not a guy I'm going to keep on my roster. I'm going to look at him at the waiver wire and, and pick him up as a fill in when I need it. Yeah. I mean, the upside there is pretty much zero. So we're, we're, we're on the, we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Anything to say about TJ Eldon? You know, I really liked Yeldon when he was on the Jaguars he landed in a bad situation just with, with McCoy Gore, they drafted Singletary, you know, again, the best hope for me with, with Yeldon is that there's an injury or that he gets traded, you know, to a, a running back needy team. Um, because I do like him and I like his pass catching ability. Um, he, he garnered a lot of targets in, in Jacksonville and I think he can do the same here. Unfortunately, McCoy also can garner targets. So if McCoy is still on the team, you know, how do they split that out? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. I, for one, was pretty surprised. I will be surprised if all four backs are on the team to start the season. But we'll see. I mean, it seems like Devin, Devin Singletary, I'm, he's in the 10th round right now. He's getting a little bit of a preseason hype. I don't think I'll be owning him in the 10th round. Because to me, he seems like the guy who's going to take over for McCoy next year. So like, he's more of a dynasty guy for me. But, I mean, this whole backfield, in my opinion, is just a pretty big avoid for redraft. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you. Uh, I'm looking at him in, in dynasty leagues. I'm looking at him on the waiver. I'm looking at him if it's the 14th round and he's still sitting there. Um, but you're right. At his current ADP, I'm probably not touching him. Just as messy, the wide receivers. I will give it to the Bills that, you know, that their wide receiver duo of Zay Jones and Robert Foster God bless them. Probably one of the least talented groups last year. They did a little bit to put a little more talent around Josh Allen this year, which I respect by bringing in John Brown and Cole Beasley, who I've always thought was a little underrated. Talk to me about this wide receiver group here. Do you like any of these guys or any of these a huge fade for you? What are your thoughts here? So I, I always like 
Ryan's in the in a spot where it's just like, do, what can you do with him? Um, the other guy that I that I do like a bit is Zay Jones. I just feel like he, he's going to give he's un, he's undrafted in most leagues, especially yep. in redraft, and he's still going to garner a hundred plus targets, in my opinion. So his catch percentage doesn't really isn't really great, right? He's hovering somewhere around fifty percent. Um, but if you're talking about target shares, if he's going to give you a hundred targets and you can get him at the end, back end of your draft or potentially on the waiver wire, you know, you got a guy that's injured, uh, you know, I'm still looking at him. I gotcha. So one thing that I, or one guy that I've been looking at is, is John Brown. He's creeping up a little bit. It's 12th round wide receiver 55, but there's two pieces that kind of work for me here just to talk about John Brown for a second. I've always been a big fan of John Brown, but he's never been able to stay healthy. And then last year he was able to stay healthy. I mean, he was on pace for probably a thousand yards last year with Joe Flacco through nine games. I think he had, he's probably on pace for like seven TDs, 70 catches, a thousand yards, let's say. So he was like working his way into that wide receiver two territory. Then Lamar Jackson comes in, you know, they're not throwing the ball. He falls into oblivion, but Josh Allen was attempting, I'll be very clear with this, attempting, um, you know, the highest rate of 20 plus yard passes last year. So he's definitely throwing the ball deep and Brown and, and John Brown's a burner. Like his average depth of target is around the 17 range. He's in the top 10 and a dot. So in that regard, it, it kind of seems like Robert Foster did it last year. And I look at John Brown as an upgrade from Robert Foster, so do you have interest in John Brown with all that said? Where where have you been where's your head been at with John Brown? I do. I, I think of all the guys, you know, you can look at Zay Jones and say, all right, I'm gonna get a hundred targets out of him, but that's probably his ceiling. John Brown probably has a bigger ceiling. So he has more upside if you're gonna go that way. But in that twelfth round, you you've got Josh Gordon. Uh, later on in the thirteenth, you've got Michael Gallup. Um, you've got some good running backs down there that you can take flyers on that have higher upside, like Justice Hill, uh, Darwin Thompson for now is still down there. We'll see where he goes uh, after that. Um, and even McCole Hardman on KC, I think you've got to look at him in those later rounds. So, you know, when when we looked at the the Dolphins, I think we saw the same thing. And it's like an upside, you know, how many points are the Bills going to score every week, you know, versus a, a KC and a McCool Hardman where you may get more production out of them simply because they're scoring 10 or 15 points more uh, per week. Absolutely. Beasley, Foster, I mean, do you want to talk about any of these wide receivers? Is there any more details you want to throw out there? Or are we good? Yeah, I'm probably not touching either of those guys at all. That's fair. That's completely fair. I mean, I, like we talked about, easy run schedule a run offense. There's just not a lot of volume to go around. I don't see there being more than one wide receiver who's really worth owning as the season gets started. Tight end is kind of confusing there too. I mean, I think it's what they got. They had Croft that they signed from the Bengals, but he broke his foot. So I think it's now up to rookie Dawson Knox. Are we looking there at all? In the dynasty league, I'm probably stashing him, but in a redraft league, he's not even worth touching. All right, man. That does it for the Bills. Any Bills you want to touch on before we move along to the Jets? No, I think we covered just about everyone. Let's move to the Jets, man. Is there a must-have player for the on the Jets for you? I don't know about must-have. I think if I'm going to pick any Jet, it's probably going to be Jamison Crowder based on his ADP. 
Um, you know, I think right now he's sitting somewhere around the 13th round. Um, and he's got early chemistry with Darnold. Um, there have been some positive stuff coming out of the training camp. Um, and so I think if anyone with value, I think it's going to be Crowder. Yeah, I mean, there's some whispers of him. Oh, he'll see 100 targets, blah, blah, blah. You can get him in the 13th round, wide receiver 57. Seems like a fine dart throw. But I have, in my opinion, I feel like there was a ton of hype surrounding Crowder every year at the Redskins, and it just never paid off. So I don't know if a move to the Jets is going to, you know, really work in his favor. But at that price, it's a fine it's a fine try. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you know, when I'm looking at the Jets, Robbie Anderson's going in, like, the sixth, maybe early seventh round. And I just feel like that's way too high for a Jets team with a terrible offensive line, new coach, uh, second year quarterback, I just don't. I don't know that Robbie Anderson's going to return value that high up in the draft. Yeah, I. Yeah, wide receiver twenty nine, sixth round. I mean, he averaged ten targets, eighty four yards a game. I think with three touchdowns in the final four weeks. So it looks like him and Darnold were kind of getting things going, but I mean. It's not that big of a sample size, so I think that's a little high for me as well. So I'm not really going to be owning any Robert Anderson at that price. Uh, as we're talking about the wide receivers, any interest in Quincy Anunua? He definitely has shown that he can get it done, but that's typically been in the slot, and Crowder's going to be in the slot. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think he's probably my favorite Jets receiver, um, gotcha. and he's, he's sure, certainly shined at certain points. Um, but he, for some reason is, is often injured and I just don't know, you know, where are they going to move him? You know, they're going to move him outside of the slot. So where do they put him? Um, and what do those targets look like for him? Cause he really, he, you're right. He, he definitely survived the, that, that round with Darnold last year where Darnold looked inefficient, kind of popped here and there. Um, but then got injured again. And so I just, you know, I just don't know with him. Um, and I think if I'm going to take a risk on anyone, I'm going to try it with Crowder again. Let's move to the, the next pa- pass catcher we got here. Chris Herndon. There was a lot of hype surrounding this guy. He definitely has some ability, but he's serving a four game suspension. What are your thoughts on Chris Herndon? He would have been, he would have been the tight end to look at for me in the AFC East, uh, with Gronk out if he didn't serve the suspension, but with the suspension, you know, I'm just not looking at him. You know, he'll be on my waiver wire, and I'll I'll keep an eye on him. But I I just I, the, the the tight end position went from like like from really weak with like only two or three to like there's there's 15 guys you can look at this year that all have sort of been hyped up where I'd rather take that high upside than deal with a guy that's been suspended for uh, four games already. Uh, you know, if you look at like Ben Watson, I'd rather take a shot on him who's been suspended four games. Um, in a higher-powered offense than than Herndon. Let's move to the the guy throwing the ball, Sam Darnold. He's pretty much free, QB 23, 14th round. I feel like there's some promise with him. What's your thoughts on Sam Darnold? You know, of all the the QBs, you know, when you look at Allen, Darnold, Rosen, I think Darnold's the the best of the bunch. Um, I think he has the most upside, uh, but maybe not in redraft league. Like, I, I... they, they do face a tough schedule out the gate. They got the Bills, the Browns, Patriots the first three weeks. Um, they go on by. They come back. They have the Eagles and Cowboys who have solid defenses, go right back to the Patriots and Jaguars. So the first half of their schedule is not great. Um, they ease up towards that second half. But at that point, um, 
you know, maybe you're using him as a fill-in when he's facing the Dolphins or Giants or something like that. Um, maybe if the Raiders get real bad week 12 where there's a bunch of bye weeks, you're looking at him. Um, but I don't know that I would roster him and hold on to him the entire year. Yeah, same. I think he's, you know, he's a solid looking like a super flex league, let's say. But in redraft, single QB, it's it's really not there for me. Um, probably the one player that's going to be holding the most value here, Le'Veon Bell. RB6, you got to pay a first round price for him. Are you going to be owning any Le'Veon Bell this year? I will have zero shares of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he hasn't played in a year and a half. He's on a terrible offense with a terrible offensive line. And at that price, if I'm going to go running back that early and I've already lost out on the top four guys, why am I not looking at Joe Mixon or Chubb right there in this in the sixth if I'm going to look at Bell? Or I, Delvin Cook. I would take Delvin Cook over Le'Veon Bell. You're speaking my language here. I'm not drafting Bell. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're telling me he's available mid-second, Maybe at the turn, you know, if I'm the 12th team and I'm looking at like a wide receiver running back and, and you know, Bell's still sitting there. But if you're talking about like mid mid first round pick, uh, I'm passing. I'm going with uh, I'm going with one of those other running backs or I'm going, you know, one of the first couple of receivers off the board. Quick, quick couple back and forth here. I just want to check. So Le'Veon Bell, you take Chubb, you take Dalvin, you take Mixon over him. Would you if, if you know, having to pick one or the other, would you pick? Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell? Oh, I'd pick Bell. Yeah, I'm not messing with I'm not messing with any guy who's dealing with arthritis in his knee uh, at that age. Uh, and you got to look at what they've done. They've they re-signed Malcolm Brown. They have John Kelly from last year, who did flash some. They didn't play him a lot, but he did flash. Uh, and then they drafted Henderson. So yeah, I mean, even if you're at that point, you're drafting you're drafting Gurley at his ceiling. And I don't know that that's a great idea, especially in redraft where you're just starting over every year. I don't know that that's a great idea to put that big of risk on a first-round pick that early. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So biggest fade, Le'Veon Bell. Must-have player if there is one, Jameson Crowder. Well, before we move on, sorry, from the Jets, Elijah McGuire, Ty Montgomery, anything to those two guys? Or do you think Le'Veon Bell's still going to get the lion's share, just not do much with it? Yeah, no, I still think he's going to do something with it. I mean, he's still probably going to be a top 10 back. Gotcha. Um, you just, you never know, you know, is he going to fall into 10 to 15 range? Uh, you know, and when you're paying a sixth pick or a sixth or seventh pick in the first round, uh, Ty Montgomery to me is a nice addition. Um, he's definitely got some uh, some flair as of late. They, they've definitely been pumping his tires a bit. And I think in a league where you could get him potentially that still has him in a wide receiver running back role where you can put him in either slot makes him attractive. But if that doesn't happen and he's strictly listed as a running back or strictly listed as a wide receiver, you know, he's probably the fourth option as a wide receiver and he's absolutely the second option as a running back. So, uh, you know, I don't know that I take him, I, I sit on him and I see what happens but, you know, Gase is the wild card to me. You just He wasn't thrilled with Le'Veon Bell coming in. So, you know, do we know how he wants to use him or how he wants to use his backs? And he didn't do a good job of using his backs in Miami either. So I, I just don't know about Ty Montgomery. Any other Jets uh, you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered them all. All right, now that we've got everybody reeled back in from thinking this is a Patriots-only podcast, um, let's let's move into the Patriots, man. Must-have player on the Pats. For me, it's Josh Gordon. Uh, 
he's going undrafted, uh, maybe mid 12th, I think is the highest I've seen him. He's starting to get a little speed now that he's applied for reinstatement. But you're talking about a guy who, if he play, if he plays, and that's a big if, right? But if he plays, you've got a wide receiver one in the 14th or later round. So I, that's my guy. I like that. I mean, like when I made this list, I'd even put him on there. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the situation. Like, what makes you so certain he's going to see some time this year? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I don't know that he'll see see time or not. But I think when you look at the way they've handled. Uh, some of the guys coming off, you know, you look at Tyreek Hill um, and that situation. You look at what they've done with Gordon. They indefinitely suspended him again, but he was, but he's in a program. They didn't say much about what he was suspended for this time, um, but he he seems to be on the right track. He's got a stable support system here in New England. Um, and then you know, Evan Silva uh, tweeted out um, some fantastic sat- stats. I think it was r- maybe right after he applied for reinstatement. Um, he actually he led the Patriots in yards per target when he was on the field. He led them in yards per catch. He was 14th out of 96 wide receivers in yards per route run. Um, he was 7th out of 125 wide receivers in yards after the catch. Um, and Brady actually added, um, averaged 3.5 more uh, fantasy points per game with Gordon on the field. So when you're talking about all of that stuff um, and you can have him that late, why aren't you taking a flyer on him in the 14th? maybe even the 12th round that late to potentially have a wide receiver one, especially if you're uh, starting out, you know, wide or running back, running back when you start your draft or something like that, where you're kind of punting on wide receiver early on because it's so deep. uh, It just sort of makes sense. He's the best value on the board to take a shot on. I mean, it's, it's truly a late round dart throw, but the upside is there. And I don't quote me on this, but you might know more than I do. I think like they didn't give his number to any rookies either. Like they kept his number so in case he came back or something like that. Yeah, they actually they initially had given it to Harry, um, and then they pulled it uh, right before the game and gave him uh, I think number eight um, before the game. Sort of, and I think everyone up here thought, oh, that's an old like, hey, your number's still here if you come back. Um, and I and all reports out there say he's working hard and he's in shape and he's ready to go. It's just a matter of, you know, when the commissioner looks at it and decides whether he's reinstated or not. I like the take, man. I really do. It's a unique one, so I appreciate that. Let's let's talk about the other wide receivers there. We've got Julian Edelman right now. Wide receiver 15, coming off the board in the fourth round. I personally am a big Julian Edelman fan this year. You know, if, if Josh Gordon doesn't come back, which we don't know, you know, he, to me, has an outside chance of leading the league in targets. I mean, there's just nobody else there. There's 165 vacated targets on the Patriots. And I just don't really see them go. I mean, James White got a ton last year. So, like, to me, it just seems like Julian Edelman is in a spot right now to truly just eat targets. He's always been Brady's guy. If you look at his last 16 games, including the playoffs, he was, like, 105 receptions, 1,300 yards, six touchdowns on 156 targets. So that's already an elite number of targets. What do you think about Julian Edelman? Am I a little bit too high on him? What are your thoughts on the guy? No, no, I I love Julian Edelman, and I think what you're looking at now is uh, he's fourth round, maybe fifth round. The downsides with Edelman is he's only actually played sixteen game a sixteen game season twice in his career, um, and he's not a touchdown guy. So you're really hoping for that volume. If Josh Gordon's back, I think you're still seeing the volume. You're still seeing eight, nine, ten, eleven targets a game, um, and 
you know, you know the Patriots. I mean, they're they're heavy into analytics. They know that passing is more efficient than rushing. Um, and that's why they brought in all these running backs who can catch, right? So James White had like 120 plus targets last year. Um, but I still see Edelman as being, you know, Brady's blanket, his go-to guy. Um, and he's not, that's not going to change. And he's always going to be in that slot position. He moves outside. Um, he does a lot of different things for them. And I think if he can stay healthy, I think you're right. He could lead in targets this year. Let's talk about the other two wide receivers, at least in my opinion, that seem to be filling out the two, number two and number three role. Uh, rookie Nikhil Harry and Philip Dorsett, who seems to be running with the ones um, this summer. Do you have interest in either one of these guys? In, in Dynasty, I definitely have uh, interest in Harry um, or Keeper League. Um, outside of that, I don't know how much. The only the only thing is is if if Brady doesn't trust you, he's not going to go to you. So they've already kind of pushed him a little bit. Um, he has a turf toe, I think, and he's also got the hamstring issue that he's kind of been nursing for a few weeks. Um, and so with his ADP, I don't think I'm touching him. Don't sleep on Dorsett though. He he's now got a whole nother year in the system. Um, I think Brady trusts him, and I think he'll end up being the two. Um, if Gordon doesn't come back and you'll see a lot more out of Dorsett this year than you did last year. I like it, man. Let's move to Brady. We'll keep it quick folks. Fantasy focused here. We know how good he is, but QB 17 12th round, any interest in Brady and redraft? I I don't, um, just with the, like we talked about before with the guys around there and the guys you can get a, a little bit later, you know, Josh Allen, I can spend two more picks on wide receivers or running backs there and the, in the 12th and 13th, and I can get Josh Allen in the 14th. I think I'm doing that over Brady. Yep, the, the ceiling's just not there anymore. He's an efficient, great quarterback. Just He doesn't have the ceiling like he used to. And it just seems like the Patriots are going to be um, moving towards the run a little bit more. As you mentioned, they have all those running backs. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's move into the running backs, man. Who's your favorite? James White. I mean, he, he's going to catch the ball. He's going to run the ball. Brady trusts um, and I can see, you know, even though he had 100, and I think it was 123 total uh, targets last year, I can even see that bumping up, especially if Gordon doesn't come back and you're talking about uh, James White and Julian Edelman being the key guys. Um, I think you can totally see his, you know, a slight uptick there. Um, I don't think his, his uh, touchdown numbers, you know, I don't think he can hit those again, but I still think you've got a, a PPR machine there. Um, especially even in half PPR, uh, you know, I think you see a solid floor with him. Um, and he's looking like fifth, sixth round. So he's more reasonable than Sony Michelle, who again had another knee scope this year and is still in the fourth round for some reason. If, if I told you at the end of the year, uh, let's just say hypothetically speaking, Josh Gordon didn't come back. Would you be surprised if Julian Edelman and James White saw 50% of the team's targets? No, not at all. It, Tom Brady's a creature of habit, right? Um, and these are two guys that have been in the system for a long time. They understand where Brady's trying to go with the ball. Um, they, and they understand the whole entire system. And I just think, you know, even a guy like Damian Harris, Harris, a rookie coming in, um, you know, he drops a couple balls and Brady starts looking someone else's way. Um, so until Ben Watson gets back, I think you're looking at, at Edelman and White as the, you know, as the bulk of the, the Patriots you know, carries and receptions. Yeah. I, um, I, my projections had Julian Edelman at 27% and 
and James White at 20%, so 47% between the two of them. And it seemed like a lot to me, but I just kept going through things, and I was like, damn, I mean, like, this this could happen, man. Like, these are his guys. Oh, yeah, it's it's absolutely within the realm of possibility. And then, you know, Sony Michelle, he's not getting any targets whatsoever, but, I mean, he was getting something like 19 touches a game there when he started having a full-time role when he came back healthy. You know, he's RB24 right now. You can get him at the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. And you mentioned that you might be a little weary because of the knee scope. Like, what are your thoughts on him at that RB24 range? So when I look at that range, the other guys in there, you know, Chris Godwin's getting a lot of hype. He's available there. James White's available there. Tevin Coleman, who's back in a system um, that he's familiar with, is right there. Um, and I think you're. I'd rather look at those guys than a guy coming back from a, a nut. So he had knee issues in college. He had a um, procedure done last year. He had a knee scope this year. They've they've held him out um, so far this year. And I think they're just going to take that very easy approach with him simply because they know they're they're in that 10, 11, 12 win range and they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to need him for that. And I think they'll take it easy on him, um, even if he is fully healthy. You know, somebody said to me, you know, Sonny Michelle could lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Well, I don't think it would happen. I don't think I'd be entirely shocked if he did, though. It wouldn't, but would you be shocked? So last year he had a ton, right? But would you be shocked if it was Damian Harris this year for the Patriots? It's the Patriots, man. So you <laughs> never know what's about to happen. Yeah, right? you you just never know. Let's move into Damian Harris right now. RB50, 11th round price. What do you think about him? So... Uh, of all the guys on the Patriots that are going to run the ball consistently, I think he's the guy I'm picking. He hasn't got a lot of – so he got a lot of hype before preseason. He, he's starting to regress. They haven't really used him with the ones that often, and so his ADP is dropping even more. Um, and that's enticing for me because you can get him in the very late rounds, um, and he could be that guy that takes all the goal line work, especially if Michelle comes along slowly or if they, like I said, they're they're nursing him and his health. You know, he could be the guy that leads the AFC East in in rushing touchdowns. And Anderson Rex Burkhead, he's clearly the fourth option now, but like you said, it's unpredictable. You know, there there is and there isn't. I, I have a feeling he could be on the bubble and he could be one of the guys that's cut um, simply because they're so deep on the defensive side. Um, and if they want to keep some of those young guys they've got defensively, some of these other guys are going to have to go. And they've spent two rel- relatively high draft picks on running backs the last two years. Uh, so he could be the odd man out. Yeah, it could, it could happen. You, you just really never know. That leads us to the tight ends, probably the one of the more unsexy tight end rooms in the NFL and probably for the Patriots in a while. I mean, is there anybody that you're really interested in here in the tight ends group with the Patriots? So I actually like Ben Watson because he's free. Um, they don't have, outside of Nikhil Harry, they don't really have any big red zone targets, especially if Josh Gordon doesn't come back. And so I think Watson fills that role nicely. So he could see a lot of work in the red zone. Um, and like I said, he's free. He's got that four game suspension. No one's going to draft him. And I think if you're looking at someone, especially to fill in after that, I think he's got a great, um, a great schedule and a great opportunity to sort of fill in there. Any other Patriots you want to touch on? No, I think we covered them all. I think that's great. Good stuff, man. I think that's going to do it for our AFC East portion breakdown here. It's time for the 20 questions with Dom. Dom, you there? I am here. All right, man. Turn it over to you. All right, good to hear you guys. How you doing, Dana? I'm doing great. How are you? 
I'm doing all right. Are you ready to answer some questions about the division and maybe a couple of bonus questions? Absolutely. Fire away. All right. Who is going to be your quarterback one this year in the division? I talked about it a little bit. I think it's Josh Allen. Um, his projections are really close to Brady. I think Brady's the easy answer, uh, but I think Josh Allen surpasses him, um, and I think he'll be the QB1. I actually agree with you. And uh, this question might be a little harder because none of them are really being taken that high, but who do you think is going to be overdrafted this year for as a quarterback? I still think it's, I think it's Brady. He's the highest one in the 12th round. He's 42 years old, um, and it does look like they're going more run-heavy, dink and dunk even more than they're used to. And so I think even at the 12th round, he's not going to return his value. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I actually have, I have him a lot lower than 17. I have Josh Allen a lot higher, not a lot higher. I have him at like 14 or 15, but he has my highest quarterback in this division as well. Uh, who is your running back one for the division? I think you got to go Bell. Um, I think he can still prove that he's an RB1. Um, he's still going to get a lot of, uh, of opportunities for catches. Um, so that'll boost him up a bit. He's probably not going to score a ton of touchdowns like he did with the Steelers, but I still think he ends up being the RB1. Yeah, and he was never really known for scoring a lot of touchdowns, which takes me to my next question. Who is going to score the most touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns in this division, whether it be a quarterback or a running back? Ooh, so if we're going to, if we're looking at all of them, I didn't really think about the QB thing. Um, you know, if we throw in QBs, I think it's Josh Allen. If we throw in, if we're just looking at running backs, I think it's, it could be Damian Harris. And I think I just talked about it, but, um, you know, Sony Michelle got a lot of that goal line work. If they, if they're nursing his health, Damian Harris could be that guy. He's a compact runner. He's got excellent ball security. Um, and I think of all the teams, obviously the Patriots have the most opportunity within the division to be down near that goal line more often than not. So that probably takes me to my next question, which is, might be the same answer, but who is your uh, running back sleeper for the division? You know, it's actually not Damian Harris. Uh, he's probably uh, 1B or a runner-up, but I really think it's uh, Devin Singletary who has one of the easiest schedules uh, against rushing defenses. Um, I mentioned he's got the fifth easiest schedule based on the number fire nerd rating. Um, if you look at the DVOA for 2018, um, for the teams they play, um, it's one of the worst. Um, and so I think he's got the easiest path to a full workload um, there in in Buffalo, especially if they end up cutting McCoy or McCoy gets injured again. I think it's Singletary. Yeah, I, I love Singletary this year. I think he's going to take over that backfield by midseason. And I heard you guys talking about uh, McCoy earlier and why he's still there. You would have thought he would have been traded or cut earlier. But I think that they want to cut him and save that six and a half million dollars. But I think that they're hoping that somebody gets hurt this preseason and they can pull a trade off like the Eagles did with uh, Sam Bradford to let Carson Wentz come in so they can hopefully, you know, get at least some value out of him for, you know, second or third round pick or if they, you know, to somebody who's desperate or even if not, they can get like a fourth or fifth round pick instead of cutting him and just having somebody else pick him up for free. Uh, yep. who, who's your most overhyped running back this year? Uh, for me, it's Michelle, just based on his fourth-round ADP, going through another knee scope. Uh, I just don't know that he's going to return value at that at that fourth-round ADP. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. They're, I don't know how good they're going to – they're not really great with wide receivers or running backs somehow drafting them. They're, they're great at getting them from other teams that don't like them and bringing them on and making them better. But when it comes to drafting those skill positions, they're not really that talented at doing that. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, who is your wide receiver one? for the division. 
I think you got to go with a Patriot. I think the easy answer is Edelman. Um, I think I mentioned he's only played 16 games twice in his career. If Josh Gordon comes back week one, uh, I'm going with Josh Gordon for the wide receiver one. Um, but the the easy answer is always Edelman. I mean, he's going to see a ton of targets regardless, um, and they're going to be in the red zone a lot. Um, so I just I, I think he's probably going to end up being the wide receiver one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think is if Gordon comes back and plays up to his ability, he's going to easily be a top five or six receiver, but that's only if he does come back and plays up to that high level that he was before he went out when he was in Cleveland. But other than that, I do agree with you. I think it's probably going to be Edelman just based on volume. Uh, who is your most, uh, or who's your favorite sleeper wide receiver? So I had Zay Jones here, but I, I think I might've been sold on John Brown. Uh, both are basically free um, on a team that's going to be playing from behind a ton Josh Allen has a cannon, um, and I just think, you know, Zay Jones in particular can see over 100 targets, um, and so he could be a good sleeper to grab at the end of the, of the draft. Yeah, I, I like Zay Jones as well. Who is your who you think is going to be the tight end one in this division, although there's not really that many good tight ends to choose from? Yeah, there aren't many, right? So I think I'm going to go with Mike Gusecki, who could see a lot of work there. Um, their offensive line is ranked worst uh, in the league this year. Um, if they put in Rosen, he's going to look for outlets a lot. So that gives a lot of targets to the running backs and to the tight end. And I think that could be Gusecki. Yeah, I agree. And I like him just because he went to Penn State. And that's one of, you know, it's one of the college teams I follow. Uh, who's your sleeper tight end for the division? I, I think it's Watson. I, I, we just talked about him right before we cut over. Uh, but he's free. He's comfortable with Brady. He's been in the system before. Harry's already injured. Gordon's status is still up in the air. They really don't have any red zone, uh, you know, big big bodies for the red zone anymore with Gronk out. And I just think, you know, after those first four games, I mean, he could be he could be a nice addition to your team to fill in that could give you some some solid weeks. Yeah, I think there's three good options for this question, and, and then one that lives in Florida. But who is your favorite defense in the division? So, so I've got two. Surprisingly. Uh, you know, if you're looking, if you're looking at someone you want to keep an eye on, the playoff weeks for the Dolphins um, look really good. They face the Jets, Giants, and Bengals in those weeks 14 through 16. Brian Flores, the new coach, was excellent in the defensive coordinator role with the Patriots, uh, and so I think they could give you some really nice weeks there if you're streaming. Um, you know, for the playoff weeks. My other one, if you're starting off, is the Patriots, and I know people are going to be hesitant for that week one when they're playing the Steelers. Um, but don't sleep on them uh, with week one. The D, the defense is transformed. It's younger. They've got Gerard Mayo calling plays now um, in the week one preseason game. He looked phenomenal calling those plays. And the Steelers have actually historically put up uh, pretty bad numbers against the Patriots. Uh, they're 22 points per game over the last 10, dating back to 2007. It's actually only 19 points per game over the last five, dating back to 2015. And they've actually lost four of the last five to the Patriots. So you're talking about all that, plus they're going to be in Gillette on banner night. Uh, I just don't see the Patriots letting up. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, the next weeks, they fa the Patriots face the Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, Giants, Jets. So you have potentially seven straight weeks um, of excellent streaming with the Patriots, and I wouldn't sleep on them at all. Exactly, and I'm pretty sure that the Patriots play the ref pay the referees more than Adidas and Nike are playing those college <laughs> players, so it, that helps too. They do, actually, they do. I actually like the Bills as my favorite 
NFL defense in this division by far, but when it comes to they don't get a lot of sacks, they're more a coverage team, and that doesn't really translate to fantasy points, so I do agree with you. I think it's going to be the Patriots. Uh, when it, Who's your favorite uh, kicker in the division? So, you know, it's got to be Gaskowski, but it's only because of opportunity. He could he could literally lead, lead the entire league in, in kicker scoring this year. Um, and the other, the other guys, you know, they're going to be playing from behind. They're probably not going to be kicking all that many field goals if they're down 10, 10 14 points. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it's got to be Guskowski if you're going to pick any one of them. Yeah, and especially in Buffalo and New York, those wins are wicked, so you never know what you're going to get out of, out of the kickers there any, anyway. Uh, so now we'll move on to some general questions. Uh, leaving your draft – uh, who's one player in this division that you don't want to leave your draft without? Uh, it's probably Josh Gordon. Again, you're talking about 12th, 13th, 14th round. He could be a wide receiver one if he goes. I- I'm not leaving without him. The other guy I, I really had my eye on up until the last couple days was Drake in the, in the sixth round. Um, but with that foot injury, if he doesn't drop a few, uh, a few more rounds, uh, I'm probably not targeting him again that early. Yeah, the only problem with Drake, though, is you have to get him out of Toronto because he's a pain in the ass up there with the Raptors and everything. But other than uh, who's who do you think is going to score the most points in the division non-quarterback? Uh, I think it's probably going to be Bell, probably going to be the sole runner. I mean, they're going to spell him a little bit with Ty Montgomery, but um, I still think he can be a bell cow back, um, and he's still young, so it's probably him. Um, you know, if you're telling me, again, if you're telling me Drake's healthy, um, I think he's got the opportunity to be the next James White, you know, with 100-plus targets, some rushing ability. Um, I, I mentioned before that Ballage just doesn't seem to get through that first blocker, um, that first defender coming at him. Um, and so if he's healthy, you know, it could be him. But I think, you know, the easy answer is probably Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there just because there's not a really stud-stud wide receiver who's going to be like a, you know, like a, Mike Tom, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones or De- Devontae Adams all the way up there with 120 catches. So I tend to agree with you with the running back in this case. Uh, who's the most overhyped player in this division? So I think it's the same guy. I think it's Le'Veon Bell. Um, he hasn't played in over a year. New offense, lackluster talent around him. Um, and you're talking about having to take him with the sixth or seventh pick in the draft. And I just don't know that that, that, that is actually worth it. I completely agree. I actually have right I'm going to move him up a little bit right now. I have him as my running back 17. So I wouldn't take him anywhere near the first round, probably even the middle of the second round would be the earliest I would take him. Uh, who is your favorite rookie in the division? Uh, from a keeper dynasty perspective, it's Harry, uh, for redraft. I'm going with Singletary who, like I mentioned, has a, ha, has probably the most opportunity and, and easiest path to a full workload potentially, uh, there in Buffalo with one of the easiest rushing schedules uh, in the league this year. All right. And uh, if one word to describe the fantasy uh, players in this division. Uh, pedestrian. <laughs> yes. I, I'm not sure anyone goes into their target drafting uh, or targeting most of these players in the draft. Uh, you know, there's a handful of guys I think you're you're probably targeting out of the dis- this division. But for the most part, uh, a lot of these guys are going to be on your waiver wire for most of the year. All right. And uh, if I said that uh, player blank, as long as they stay healthy, is going to have a monster year this year, who is it going to be? Uh, you know, I, I had listed Drake 
Uh, again, I had done my research prior to his injury. Uh, I'm probably going to go back to James White. I think he's undervalued again. People don't think he can reproduce what he did last year. And I think he not only can reproduce what he did last year, but he can push that uh, a little further, especially with the the way the wide receiver core is shaking out in New England. Um, you know, with Harry being a rookie, um, Dorsett being right now your wide receiver too, um, and Edelman not playing um, – a full year, but only twice in his entire career. I just think um, James White could be that guy all over again, and people are sleeping on him. Uh, the last regular question is uh, somebody that we're not talking about highly right now, but by the beginning of next year in drafts, he's going to be, you know, a top couple round guy. Uh, you know, I think I'd probably go back to Singletary. Um, you know, where they drafted him, McCoy's McCoy's age, uh, Gore's age. The only other guy on that um, in that backfield is T.J. Yeldon, and we don't know if he's even going to stay there. Um, and you know, he ha- he's been sneaky good in rushing. Um, he's been a very good pass catcher. But where they drafted Singletary, and they already have the draft capital invested there, um, I think we could be talking about him as, as a standalone guy next year. Yeah. Now, obviously, this one's only only rumor. So you know, I'm trying to get sources on it. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard that. Uh, Giselle Bunchen watched uh, Hard Knocks the other night, and when uh, Jonathan Abram said that Tom Brady's old enough to be his dad, it got her thinking and that he kind of looks like him, and now she's filing for a divorce because she thinks that he might be his father. Is that true? We can only hope so, because uh, she may turn out to be the Yoko Ono of the uh, New England Patriots. Yeah, very true. And I think uh, the other thing is, is it true that the reason he's selling his house is because he already knew that this was coming out on Hard Knocks and he's going <laughs> to go out to Denver and pull with Peyton Manning so that he can he can show Jonathan Abrams exactly who his daddy is twice a year for the next couple of years? That absolutely is on the table. Uh, it's funny. There's a lot of rumors going around this week uh, that he could end his career, you know, in San Francisco for a couple of years. You know, maybe the the Rams cut bait with Goff and he goes there for a couple of years. So there's a lot of rumors flying in New England about what what's next for Tom Brady. Yeah, that that would be a kick in the ass to uh, Garoppolo if Tom if he got traded away from Tom Brady and then Tom Brady came in there and took his job from him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's got a he's got a large. I think he's got a 15 million dollar bonus, uh, and they can they can walk away from him next year, uh, sometime in March, I think. So. Um, you know, if he puts up another six and ten season and he doesn't look good, or if he gets injured again, they have an easy out. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, they definitely do. They was basically all front loaded for the first two years, and they ha- they can clearly get out of it. Yeah, especially if they're really bad um, and they have an opportunity for one. I mean, the the quarterback draft class next year is re- really deep. So if they have an opportunity for one of those top quarterbacks this year, and he's you know injured or sucks again, I would not be surprised if he gets cut. Yeah, I wouldn't either. If they have a chance for Tua, who I'm not big on, or Herbert, or you know, from, then I think um, they could, they would definitely they could definitely cut bait and get one of those guys and have Kyle Shanahan start with him and see what he can do over the next couple of years. And I think Lynch might be out though, but I think Shanahan's going to be there for at least two or three more years. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. All right, Tyler, you back? I'm back, sir. I'm back. I uh, those are great questions, Dana. Thank you very much for for joining us and. Uh, Giving us your insight on your home division of the AFC East. Dana, where can they find your work and where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, so fantasyhardknocks.com uh, and my Twitter handle is at FFHardknocks. 
um, I'm always on there chatting around with people. Uh, love the community. So thanks for having me on. And Dom, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at fantasyhotread.com. Actually, I'm going to have a hot takes article for each team come out next week. You can find me at rotoballer.com as well as rasball.com. And you can find me on Twitter at EnvisionFF. You can find me at FF Tyler O. Dana, again, thank you very much. Dom, you're the man. That's it, folks. Don't forget, tell somebody you love them. Later. Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name. I've got a name. Like the singing bird and the croaking toad. I've got a name, I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream that he kept here Rolling me down the highway Rolling me down the highway